keep them in your home or love to see them in theirs. These are the creatures that bring us all together. Reptiles. reptiles. We're going to be delving into the experiences of reptile lovers from around the block and around the world. This is the Reptile Talk Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Jeremy Turgeon from Brassman Reptiles. And this is Rob, and I'm Creeping It Real. And this is a super epic episode. I'm very excited for this episode. right now. Like, really excited. So, Rob, would you like to introduce our guest? Mm, I'm so excited! <laughs> tonight, we have got Karen Norris of The Blood Cell, bloodpythons.com. How are you doing tonight? What's up? I am pretty good, guys. Thank you so much. We're super excited so to have you on tonight. <laughs> Hell yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm pumped to be here. Hell yeah. So for the people who don't know you or might not have heard about you before, if they're not maybe in the short tail realm, uh, where did you kind of get your start in reptiles? Oh, well, you know, I I started off as a boa girl way back in the day. Mm. Um, I'm originally from Texas, and so uh, a lot of my my background is kind of native Texas reptiles and then... um, got into some like Australian pythons and, and that kind of stuff and, and just started keeping all manner of, of different snakes. I was fortunate to have some really great mentors early on. Tracy Thompson, who was a, a zookeeper at the Dallas Zoo. He's just awesome. He's a badass. I love you, Trey. And uh, he was kind of my first real mentor. And he actually introduced me to the Barker, Dave and Tracy Barker at, at BPI, which is where I saw, you know, my first <laughs> albino blood pythons and all that kind of stuff and it was just hooked from there on so that in a nutshell that's kind of my my roots there um i spent almost 10 years working at nerd doing the reptile as you guys know or mm-hmm. i met you and yeah. Jeremy, and so um you know just kept a lot of everything for a while but bloods and short tails have, have really been kind of the primary passion for I hate to say this because it just makes me feel really old, but 20 years now. (laughs) (laughs) I think think as the time goes and we all start looking back at that number, we're all a little like, ooh, it's been a while. Like, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to hang it all out there. I turned 44 on Tuesday and I don't even know what that means because I don't, I don't feel what I think that's probably supposed to feel like. Right? It's like I'm just, I'm still a big kid playing with snakes, you know. For and, real, and there that's, you go. That's really it. So, <laughs> so all I care about. <laughs> growing up in Texas, what was like some of your favorite natives to find or, or or keep? You know, I loved like fence lizards, galapagos, mm. that kind of stuff. Um, Horned lizards, horny toads. Oh, Those yeah, hell yeah. Those are just, oh, my gosh. You know, like childhood memories of walking dirt roads with my grandfather up in Oklahoma, and, and we'd walk these red dirt roads and, and find horned lizards and tarantulas and toads and box turtles and, and just so many native species that I look at them now as they're kind of disappearing from the landscape, and it's just like, oh, my gosh. You know, these are, are things that we have to preserve, and the only way we're going to preserve them is if people know about them and they understand them in a positive light. And, uh, yeah. I don't know. You just, the, you find that, that these, the threads of these species are woven into the tapestry of kind of who you are as you grow up. And, and you realize that if any of those threads disappear, like a major part of your life would too. And, and uh, they're just also near and dear. So any of that stuff, you know, I mean, Texas rat snakes and all of their feisty glory and <laughs> red rings, and just any red, you know, red sliders. I mean, you pick one and, and, uh, Baird's rat snakes, uh, modeled rock rattlesnakes, Ooh. Aatrox, of course, uh, yep. Alterna. I mean, just all of it, all of it, love them all. So hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So what was it like? I got to ask you when you saw the your first like albino blood python was over VPI, and what was it like? Because I the first time I saw one, my heart melted. <laughs> You know, and I'm, I'm sure Tracy's going to hear this at some point and, like, laugh, but I was a mess. I was a hot mess. I was I was just overwhelmed with emotion looking at the beauty of the snake. <laughs> and, I, and I remember so distinctly, Tracy was like, you know, I know you both people think your snakes are, are amazing, but look at this. And it was just this glowing red, ridiculous animal. And and I, I like, literally had tears streaming down my face, and, and it just – it was it was a defining moment in uh, – in snake keeping for me, so yeah, it, it was yeah. Just, it was incredible and overwhelming. And ever since then, hooked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seeing your first blood or short tail in person, like for blood and short tail people, I remember it was just like I was just 
enthralled with like the shape of their head, the eye stripe, and just like their body structure. I was just in love from the moment yes. I first saw them. That long chiseled head with yes. the wide meaty back skull and, and the way those eyes just kind of flick over and train in on you. And it's just, ugh. Yes. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, Done. Uh, Stick a fork in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So Jeremy's working with some short tails. I produced some short tails this year. Mm. Um, and you've just been focusing on the reddest of the red when it comes to Bronger's Mind, and then just the super black Sumatrans. Uh, what sort of projects are your favorite? Which ones really just like uh, have been some that you look dearly on over the years? That's a great question. So um, as, as Rob, I know you're aware of Jeremy, you might be too, the TBC Raspberry Project, as I call mm, it. And this actually, yes. this is a project that started when I was when I was at Nerd, when I was in New England, and I got this glorious wild caught female who was just psycho, just complete. <laughs> <laughs> This was just a snake that would sit up and, like, levitate at you and fling her entire body. I mean, Jeremy, I know you like to call them meat missiles, but this was yeah. just, <laughs> she took it to a level of insanity. It was, it was just... Meat cannons. <laughs> Thank God. No, I mean, seriously, it, I'm really kind of glad that I haven't run into many that were just as awful as she was because she was just yeah. an irascible snake. And, uh, but she was gorgeous and literally... Raspberry, like if you look at the color of a fresh ripe raspberry, that mm. was her color. And you know, it took a couple of years to get her to breed, and then she finally did. And I'm literally sitting here 12 years later, looking at you know, I think we're four generations in now on her grandkids, like yeah. great 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 grandkids. And um, that has been really near and dear. Um, my husband Ryan has a project that he calls the, the Manic Panic Line, and that's mm -hmm. from a, a very simple snake that he had imported and and outcrossed and and created just these insane red-headed animals and then some with stripes. And so those are the Manic Panic and Raspberry lines are kind of the foundation. And we also we have like some PE stripe original pro exotic stripe lines. Yeah, stuff that's, hell that's yeah. Pretty, yeah, pretty solid. And then just you know the blackest of the black kind of Sumatran mm. Curtis that are. So sexy, but yes. So all of those. Yeah, it's hard <laughs> not. Yeah, it's hard to look at those and like not fall in love with them because they're That's this true. like pitch black snake, and they have these like unique eyes, and they're just they draw you in. They really do, and they just, you know, they get, and people see them, they're like, I want jet black babies, and you're like, well, that's not how it works. Yep. <laughs> um, that's cool, but they have some pattern, they have some pattern when they're young, and you've got to know what to look for in the youngsters, you know, to really pick the blackest ones, but it's mm. like, as you guys know, and I mean, Rob, I know you see this with your Borneo projects, and, and Jeremy, some of the, the various stuff that you're getting into, these are a snake where uh, patience pays off. Oh, patience oh, rewards. Yeah, sure. You are rewarded by your patients because they bloom into something. You know, so many other species, they start off brilliant as babies, and then they kind of muddy up as they as they mature. And we're so lucky to have the other way around. If you've got really nice ones, they just get better and better and better with age. Um, yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah. We actually have one manic panic blood at Nerd still, and she just every time I open up her enclosure, she glows. Yeah. It probably is one of my favorites in the room. Yeah. 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 That's a neat line. They're, um, you know, and it's interesting because we get two looks out of that line. We get two very distinct appearances. There's like the red-headed pink under, you know, undertone mm -hmm. line. And then, and then there's like this brick red with like burnt orange and those tend to be highly striped. And, and so like two years ago we took Sucker Punch, TBC Sucker Punch mm. is her name, and oh, I love her. Um, and she's just, just this insane redheaded manic panic animal, and we actually bred her into the PE stripe line. And so some of her kids have just been insane, and, and so oh, that's, yeah. that's the stuff that we're raising up. And, you know, then we did, a few years ago, we did the PE stripe line into our raspberry stuff, and that's where we made Million Dollar Baby, and he's actually I'm breeding him for the first time this year. That's going to be a line breeding. So he's going to his cousin who is a line bred raspberry. So that'll be mm. PE striped raspberry to a line bred raspberry. So they should be really, really red and, and hopefully we'll get some good stripes in there. So yeah. exciting yeah. stuff. That's a sneak peek of, of what's coming up, hopefully. Knock yeah. on wood. Speaking my language so. with the striped stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm a sucker oh, for a good yeah. stripe. <laughs> yeah, right? So you like a fiddle. They're just, oh, they're so pretty. And, and you know, it's. My theory with the stripes is always been, well, so if you have the striped animal, here's all this reduced pattern, that's more room for red to show through. And so you yep. take your very best red paint job, and, and yep, and it's just, oh, you can't beat that with a stick. Yeah, yeah so, for sure. Awesome. For sure. Oof.
I know. So like, what, I, what about you guys? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butt in for a second. Like, what do you guys have coming up this season? What are you looking forward to? Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I, as you were talking about, like, being able to really get that eye for the babies that are going to become the nicest adults. I do a lot of stuff with carpets and, you know, jungle, mm. jungle carpets are notorious for that. You get that baby and, and you're like, you're looking at the whole clutch and every once in a while you get, you'll find that one. Mm-hmm. Usually it's like after the first shed or so, but you'll find that one. That's like, you're the one that's going to be nice. And if I'm wrong, I'll cry, but <laughs> <laughs> you're yes. the one that's supposed to be nice. Yes. I've seen it happen. where like, I, I've sold, uh, I've sold babies where I'm like, Eh, you'll be all right. Like you'll still be a nice animal, but I don't think you're gonna be the the creme de la creme. And then somebody sends me a picture of it two years later, and I'm like, shit. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, more time out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. So let me ask you, like with the carpets, is that something? Is it usually after a shed you feel like you have a, a pretty firm grasp, or do you need to raise them for six months or a year or anything before you feel like it's you're 100 percent sure? It can be rough. I, over the years, I, I've gotten it down to usually within the first shed or two, I have a pretty decent idea on, on what's going to look really, really good. Um, every once in a while, I'll get thrown a curveball with an animal. But um, the the nice thing, I guess you could call it the nice thing about them, is is they can be a, very tricky to sell when until those yellows start to come in. Yeah. So oftentimes, I'm holding on to them until those Six yellows months. come yeah. in. You know, so for right. six to eight months, I'm just watching them develop, and um, usually the ones I set aside tend to be the nicer ones. But every once in a while, there'll be um, like maybe two out of a clutch that like that shock me, you know. And and once they've hit like that six month mark, the colors really start to pop, and uh, and I'm like, huh, not what I expected, but uh, cool. Somebody's <laughs> gonna be happy when they get you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and you know, it's very similar, with, especially with Barnard's time, because and it, it's kind of the same thing. You know, we were talking about Curtis and, and people wanting those jet black babies. Mm-hmm. It always cracks me up when I see people saying, "I want, you know, fire engine red Barnard's my hatchling," and I watch all kind of the, you know, that core group of, of us hardcore blood keepers. Well, we're all messaging each other, going, "All right, so who wants to be the one to tell this guy that that's not?" Kind of like, "All right, paper rock scissors, guys, who's gonna who's gonna burst the bubble?" And, but you know, we all know it's 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 a waiting game, and uh, yeah. yeah, there are times you just, you have to stick them on a shelf. Like it, kind of going back to our manic panic line, some of those animals can be really you know just sleepers where they'll they'll be kind of okay, all right, that, that's kind of neat, and then they'll go through almost like an ugly duckling phase. Yeah, and you almost want to throw on the towel on them, and then you wait. Like I had one uh, TBC whiplash is his name. He he was this. Oh my gosh, he's so freaking red, and he's got all this amazing pink. But I mean, this is. This was a snake that, you know, I always thought he was nice. And I'm like, okay, you're pretty. I'm going to stick you on a, in a tub and just kind of see what you do. And, and he was brick red for a long time, had a really nice yellow stripe down his back. And then one day he shed, and, and it was right when he turned about four years old. And it just, like, this snake lit up with these crazy pink and purple undertones. But I'm just mm. like, what the heck happened here? <laughs> and so, you know, no, totally unexpected. Um, I, I wasn't quite prepared to see that extent of color out of him but i mean it was seriously it was one of those things where you know usually by three i feel like i have it dialed in like what they're going to look like three yeah. years and then you wait another <laughs> year and be totally surprised you so it's, it's constantly a learning game yeah for so, sure yeah i feel like especially so like as, as you start to really dial that stuff in you know when you've like really put that time and energy into a project and you're like okay i think I think I'm starting to, like, I think I've seen most of what I can see out of this so I can refine it and whatever, and then something pops up like that, and you're like, cool. Well, <laughs> Thanks absolutely. for that curveball. <laughs> absolutely. It's, you know, I've said for a long time, if there's anything I know about breeding snakes, it's that I don't know anything about breeding snakes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they, just, they just learn something new every year. Wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah, awesome. Then we, you know, to, to get the most out of that, um, we have to put aside the things that we think we know or any kind of ego or any kind of preconceived notions and just be open to soaking up everything these animals have to teach us. So it's sure. definitely part of the journey. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. And then like working with the Borneos, there's so much variation to begin with. And then trying to think of what they're going to look like after two <laughs> years, I'm like, Oh my gosh. Uh... <laughs> right. It's, it's... Yeah. Some of the like stuff I think I I can kind of pick out what I think it's going to look like and I'm I'm starting to get an eye for things now. 
just after like seeing different stuff that's being produced and I watch I do a lot of watching of what other people are producing that's one of my favorite things to do is follow what somebody else is doing and just watch where their offspring goes how they mature and so when I see something that looks similar I can kind of get an eye for okay this similar animal kind of matured like this so I think that this animal might kind of go a similar route and then there's always the curveballs and everything but I feel <laughs> like I'm getting better at kind of picking those things out getting better i mean you've rob you've always had a great eye at that um you've always like ever since i've known you you've just been a sponge of like soaking things up you've always been one of those super observant people where you just kind of you know watch and you're like all right let's see where this goes let's see what this does and uh -huh. i i see you just you fight like your mind's like a filing cabinet and you just kind of <laughs> things away for future reference like that that's that... one of those things i've always thought about your kind of your learning method and how you how you adapt to all of this. So yes, that's, that's 100% spot on. You're, you just, you're a sponge. Yes, so, I try yes. to be. It, it definitely can help yes. because if uh, if you kind of go in blind on certain things, it just like, you can definitely get thrown for a loop. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or if you assume you know, or, yeah. or if you have kind of this rigid, this is the only way that this is going to be, you know, it's like these arguments we see online, <sighs> you know, just add social media and you've got an instant expert. This is the only way that you can keep a snake happy and healthy. Well, you know what? That's yeah. not true. Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you, let me tell not you seven only... other ways I've done it. <laughs> exactly. And so like, not only are you losing your audience, you're losing that person who's interested in keeping the snake happy and healthy. And it just becomes this pissing match over who knows more. And it's, yeah, I can. That's the know-it-all syndrome is, is just such a such a detriment to any hobby, really. But I think especially with reptile keepers, just it, because there there seems to be so much ego wrapped up in it. Anyway, it's painful. I will stay off that soapbox tonight. <laughs> yeah. I promise. <laughs> I I'm about to step on it because I've got some things to say. Oh There's, man. Okay. I've like. I've stepped away from a lot of Facebook. I used to share a lot in Facebook groups, and I really enjoyed posting in them and sharing. Because I, I miss forums, because forums is where I right? met a lot of the core people that like I admired and the people who taught me so, so much. And when everything kind of shifted over to Facebook, that just all got, like not lost, but like people kind of you know they got lost in touch with that. And mm -hmm. now there's all these people who think that they know everything because they've, you know, produced one clutch or they've read a bunch of care sheets. And it's like, <laughs> there's so much more. There's so much more. When you've convinced yourself that you know everything, guess what? You don't know enough now. No. You yeah. don't. No. And, you know, the unfortunate part of that is that, I mean, with a lot of these species, any idiot compared to snakes up and breed them. Yep. Yeah, you know, but keeping them successfully long term enough to actually see projects through to fruition and take them into multi generational kind of outcomes, yeah, that that's kind of a different follow act. A lot more. <laughs> yeah. Yes, one clutch does not an expert make, as nope. we all know. Mm -hmm. For sure. But I but Indeed. I did breed ball pythons that one time, <laughs> and I think I have it down. <laughs> well, nobody's perfect. <laughs> Not like I have any room to talk. Goodness knows I've had to find. <laughs> sure of all years. <laughs> Mostly by default. Yes. Oh, oh that's so good. So I want to ask you, like being uh, close and being in Texas and and being around Dave and Tracy, um, what was that like? What was the, how was that like um, in kind of molding your view of reptiles? <sighs> Man. You know, Tracy is one of those women that just, she's so empowering, I think, to other women. She is just this little tiny powerhouse of a woman who has this innate gift to to breed snakes and to just be successful with them. And she's just so inspiring because her passion for the species that she works with is, um, God, it's, it's palpable when you're around her and mm. it's, like you can't help but get excited about what she's excited about and people like that I think are, are just invaluable you know to any kind of any kind of hobby or pursuit but then you, you take with that kind of the vast wealth of knowledge that she and Dave have and just all that they've contributed over the years you know with the books and the fighting legislation and trying to encourage other people and, and to set them up and, and help them be successful I mean it just 
I guess in a lot of ways it, it shaped for me kind of the pay it forward mentality. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally the very first time I visited Tracy, she gave me a possible het albino or no possible het pied male ball python. And she was like in a, in a normal female. And she was like, here you go, you know, breed these, raise them up and see if you can prove them out. And it took me like six years to, to finally prove them out. But I did. And it turned out he was a het pied and those were, you know, like the first pies I ever hatched. And it was just, wow. it was super cool. That's yeah. Awesome. You know, cause she, yeah. Cause she was just like, here, take these things and, and see what, see what they do. And just the fact that she would be willing, you know, I was, I mean, I was a stranger. She didn't know me at all. Mm-hmm. And this was back when pies were, I mean, even possible het pies were still worth something. And, uh, right, right. you know, just, but just that encouraging, you know, take this and, and learn and, and see what you can do with it. And, and it was just, I think that stamped my, outlook and it was just always hey i want to make sure that i that people come away feeling the same way when when i have interacted with them that they feel encouraged and they feel enabled and they feel like this is a possibility for them too because that's just never something you ever want to strip away from anyone and and you always want to try to to encourage growth wherever you can see it and so yeah it was just monumental you know and then of course Tracy introduced me to Kevin, and, and the rest was kind of history there. So, <laughs> so I think she shaped my she shaped my uh, herp experience in a, in a really big way there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. all of the above. And and you know I feel like the uh, the short tail community as a whole. Uh, like in general, the majority of the core people that are in the short tail community kind of are like that, where they kind of want to see people successful. It's not like this crazy competition to see who can make the newest morph or whatever. A lot of the people in the short tail community want to see you do cool stuff with your collection. Yeah. And that's like yeah. super, that's what one of the things that has kept me around the short tail community for, I mean, I love Bloods and Short Tails regardless, but right. that has always kept me. Uh, coming back to the groups and encourage me to share with people the stuff that I'm doing and the stuff that I'm seeing because they're so like I don't want to say selfless but they care about the wider community as a whole especially around short tails I, I agree 100% you know back in the forum days I mean you remember when like the bloodpythons.com forum started yep. back then it was we had just little bitty handfuls of really really nice things and this is when Dave and Tracy were doing all their work with the Morphs and, and really getting them established and out there and the rest of us are just like hey man we have these snakes and they stopped biting us and this is really great hey we're willing to, to put the time in and, and to literally put in the blood sweat and tears to make friends with these snakes and, and we all just kind of got it like nobody wanted to be Nobody had an ego. Nobody wanted to be better than anyone else. It was just kind of like, all right, cool. This is this is awesome. And you know, it's one of the things that you said earlier about social media versus the forums. When when you knew you were logging into a forum, you were going to see one thing, and that was blood pythons or, or whatever species you were into at that time. Mm-hmm. Social media, you get bombarded with all this other crap that you got to kind of wade through to get to where you're going. Yeah. And it just, I think back in the day, you know, things were a lot simpler. Um, but yeah, everyone was really encouraging about being successful because a lot of it we were still learning together. Yes. And we were figuring this stuff out with the line breeding, with the different, you know, the different gray morph Borneos, with the marbles and the everything else. But you know, whatever it was, anyone was into, we were all kind of forging those paths. Unfortunately, we had people like David Tracy, like Keith, like some of these other folks that had, you know, the older generation that had kind of gone on ahead, but. For most of us, I think in that that next tier down, we were really trying to still figure a lot of this out. So that's where everyone had just kind of leaned in and been super supportive. And that is absolutely still echoed today. I think, you know, we see it in the core group of keepers and even the Blood Python group on Facebook. I mean, it gets a little squirrely in there now that it's over 8,000 members. But day to day, there's not too much drama. And and there's still a lot of emphasis on learning and and just really helping people be successful because these snakes are just so amazing. And and if you're not enjoying them, then what, like, really, what are you even doing here? For real, though. Yeah. Yeah. I I think (laughs) one of the things that I appreciate a lot about groups like the Blood Python group is that it's not a smattering of other stuff. I like to go to species or group-specific groups and just see what's in that complex. I, yes. I've left a lot of the groups that are, let's look at everything because I'm not interested. Like, yeah, I like reptiles. I can appreciate all of them. Mm. But the things that I'm interested in are very specific. 
So, exactly. So I appreciate well, and, You know, it's funny. We oh. get that, though. We get people that have a fit of, well, why can't I post my bows in here? Why can't I post my ball pythons? I'm like, sorry, dude. Not yep. happening. Not happening. And, yeah. and we've had people, like, really pitch a fit about not being able to. But, you know, every time it happens, the core group of members says, no, we just want bloods and short tails. And I think what you just said right there yeah. illustrates why. I so. appreciate it so much more because uh, when I come to a blood python group and I see a bunch of things that are not blood pythons, I'm like, I could have gone to any group to see all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but I I love that about the blood and short tail community, and it feels like a, like not every community everyone's on the same page, but it feels like the vast majority of people who keep bloods and short tails are all on the same page. Mhm. I, I, I agree. Nope, I I do too, and it's always been you know I think a hallmark of our group. I know there are people that say oh they're very clickish or very clannish or whatever and it's like you know i just think we have a really low tolerance for bullshit yep and, and <laughs> just, so like, the just yeah. like the snakes yeah <laughs> like you know blood pythons like you have that threshold where once you cross that line we're done yep we're done uh, and i think <laughs> the keepers are kind of the same way like as long as you're cool man we're gonna be cool but yeah. you start crossing that line no bueno yeah no, yeah. no holds barred <laughs> yep Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, so... it's nice to see that something's never changed. Right? <laughs> yes. I, I've only met Tracy one time. I met her at Daytona um, uh-huh. when I had gone in 2009, I think it was. And just talking to her a little bit about the Bloods and the Short Tails, I, I can feel exactly what you're saying. Just like she's so passionate about the things that she works with and she she brought like a couple morphs on the table she didn't like bring a crazy amount to display she didn't really bring a lot to sell she was just kind of there to talk to people and kind of meet people and uh we i had a great time talking to her there and then later on in the day they announced that she was uh helping raise funds for us arc and she was going to be in the dunk tank out front so I had to go dunk her. <laughs> Absolutely. Did you get it actually? Did you make the shot? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A couple her. times. Sweet. Sweet. That's amazing. But you know, and that's and that's what I think. Again, you know, we go back to these that core group or our old school hoopers or, or just the people who have really laid the foundation of this hobby. You know, you look at the Barkers, you look at folks like Don Hamper, you look at. Mm-hmm. Just all these greats from over the years that have that have contributed so much, you know. You're um, it's just really core group of keepers that paved the way for so many others, um, and and they are willing to put that skin in the game. They're willing to say, you know, I don't care about getting splashed in a dunk tank if it if it helps preserve this hobby. And yep. it just goes to show it's not about the ego; it's about the love of the animals. And, and really, what are we doing if it's not for that? Yeah, so. yeah. And it's crazy because. Like back in the days of the, of the forums and, and just only knowing a lot of those people through the forums, I've gotten to meet so many of them and like become friends with a lot of them. And like yeah. uh, Keith McPeak, I remember I had some very strong feelings about him when I first heard about him because I was kind of introduced to him as like, oh, he had done some hybrid stuff. And then mm-hmm. and that like really burns a lot of short tail people. And uh, sure. now, like, I consider Keith a great friend. Like, he is an amazing guy. He's so, like, intelligent, and he's so down to earth. And I, I, like, love him. I love his family, and they're just, like, such amazing people. And and just being able to, like, he was kind of, like, the, one of the guys who helped set the foundation for breeding short tails. And, like, especially Borneos, where I'm such a huge Borneo guy, he, like, set that all up for people like me. Absolutely. And it's crazy that, like, you know, I can consider – I have I sent him pictures the other day. I went field herping, and I sent him some pictures of some copperheads that I found, and he was super geeked out about it. And he's like, I <laughs> found a timber. you got to come down so we can field herp. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. And that's, it's so and, cool. And that's it. You know, these people are herpers, and, that's, and that ultimately is, is the common thread that we share and, and that it's – we still get geeked out over the whether it's the the wild milk snake or the rattlesnake or the mm-hmm. you know the copperheads whatever. But it's it's ultimately that love of the animals that transcends everything else. And it's not about who made what first or, or who did this or who did that. At the end of the day, it's it's just it's all about the animals, and that's really what it comes down to, you know. And oh. as long as we don't lose sight of that, I think we stay on the right path. Yeah, Hell yeah. I'm I'm very glad that the uh, world's first trend of like multiple species, but of course ball pythons uh has kind of right. died away yes a little bit because <laughs> that it was like okay cool that that looks cool thanks for sharing but then it, it was just like 
Yeah, you didn't actually make that first, bud. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I just think about it from the perspective of Borneos because, like, almost every pairing that you do with Borneos is a world first because they're so variable. <laughs> they're so different. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's kind of a double edged sword because I look back, you know, I look back to like, the time when I was at Nerd, and, and that's when a lot of literally the world's first were happening. And yeah, it's yeah, yeah. kind of crazy being involved there in the height of the, of the ball python craze trend or game or whatever we call that and that's yeah. when you know literally the foundation was being laid for so many of these morphs and now it's like okay yeah it's a world's first but it's a combination of 15 other morphs that have already been made yeah. so i think there's just a different perspective on it now yeah, yeah back yeah. then i think it was really necessary to propel the hobby to the, to the place where it is now because there is more exposure there are more people involved we do reach a wider audience and as such it gets people interested and uh, you know, seeing these animals in a favorable light. And so I know that it, it's, there's a lot of kind of that tongue in cheek, oh, ball pythons, this, ball pythons, that. And God knows I'm guilty of plenty of it myself. But <laughs> by the same token, we look at what they've, what they've done for the hobby over the years. And I, I think it's important not to lose sight of that too. So it's, you know, it's kind of a balancing act. Yeah. When people mm-hmm. only care about world first or, or I did this or I did that, and then they get in a bickering, match over you know i can't believe it's not butter or i can't believe it's not lesser <laughs> um, yes. you know yeah that's, that's a different thing but it's yeah you, you got to take the take the good with the bad and, and just kind of remember where we all came from with it so yeah sure. but no and, and you're right with with the bloods and short tails definitely don't see that kind of bickering it's just like how red can i make it yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i like that yeah. a lot more is my face yeah. melting off yet no nope. <laughs> I gotta put sunglasses on to look at it, so I yeah. think it's we're Absolutely. getting there. Absolutely, yes, one step closer. So, oh man, yes, all a matter of perspective. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah. In in tandem with with that, I think one of the things I think we've we've talked about it before on the podcast is um, just the the relevance of the people who have laid the foundation for us to do what we're doing today. It's it's amazing that more people don't know a lot of these names. Yeah. Um, you know, especially with social media now, because it's, you know, it's very easy to send a Facebook message or, or send somebody an Instagram message and, uh, you know, and learn that info of who did this first or who was one of the pioneers of this and then see if you can find them to touch base with them and learn from them. It's so much easier to do that now than it was trying to scour the internet for their website and then hope to send them an email and that it wouldn't get lost in the flood of emails or catch them at an know. expo right. or catch them at an expo you know <laughs> if they if they didn't yeah. travel for huge expos and you're like crap the only way i'm going to be able to meet that person and shake their hand is if i drive a thousand miles to this expo <laughs> you know it's so much Absolutely. easier now so it's 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 always amazed me as as the hobby has progressed some of those people aren't even more known um than than what they already are. So I'm I'm grateful that there's especially it seems in the the blood and short tail community and, and even a bit in the carpet community that uh, those names are circulated around so much, mm-hmm. you know that that they they're getting that cred that they deserve, you know, and people are so willing to share that information. I think that is a, a massive massive plus to some of the niche parts of the industry. Absolutely, it, you know, and and again, I think it goes back. It's kind of that testament of those people who are more concerned about the animals and, and their love of the animals than their love of getting their name known mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. out there, you know, where you have to go and seek them out because they're not the ones splashing around all over Facebook going, look at me, look at me, or posting 15 different videos or, or whatever and, and making a spectacle of anything, right. uh, you know, but, but yet they're still very willing to help and, and to reach out and answer questions and, and to promote the species. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's, Kind of this crazy phenomenon we've all been able to witness over the years. So <laughs> For sure. It's, yeah. it's been so cool to see some of the people who like started out, you know, not small but smaller, and then have really built like almost like an empire. Like Matt Minatola is like oh, yeah. the king of Borneo. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and um, he's the nicest guy like ever. Yeah. He is so generous he's like incredibly on top of his breeding game he's he's just like very well-rounded keeper you know and seeing him go from like doing a you know a couple clutches a year to where he's at now with all the different ocelot things that he's producing and the extreme marbles and like all his projects that he's working on he is just like 
an inc- it's, it's been amazing to see where he's taken Borneos. Absolutely. Well, and another example of that, I mean, you want to talk about a kid who came up through the ranks and is living the dream. Look at Nick Bertini. Yes. yes. I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I remember Nick coming to the shop and, and he was like, I, I think back and it's like, Nick, what were you, like 16 kind of thing? You know, he's just <laughs> a kid. And seeing him at the White Plains Expos and stuff. And, you know, he went on to be a zookeeper and, and now he's just breeding bloods and short tails full time. And, and he and his wife, Kendra, have such a just such a neat thing going with their collection and, and just all the efforts that they put in and just watching him, watching his, his abilities and, and his kind of his focus with his collection, because he makes some of the most mind blowing brongers, my works, you know, and I know Tracy has mentored him heavily and, and he's done a lot of work with her, but I mean, you can't find golden eyes out there that hold a candle to his, especially mm-hmm. not the positive mm-hmm. ones. And just some of the, the crazy stuff that, that he's really been able to develop with his bloodline, but because he is so, laser focused on quality and and he's really been able to take that you know what started as as a hobby and turn it into an obsession and and now a livelihood and it's just oh my gosh how do you not cheer for for people like that who you know they put all their skin in the game and and really turn it into to something awesome and it's just uh, it's incredible to see um, I know yes. they're just like Nick. really great guy. You know? just, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Yes, and it's yeah. Tell you want to talk about someone who will tell you how it is. It's uh, it's funny. So like Nick Nick Bertini and then Ryan Rumbly are like two of my closest friends yeah. in, in reptiles, and and so we constantly just have this group chat, and you know it's wake up and all right, folks, let's make today our bitch. You know that kind of thing, and just go forward, try to encourage each other, and. and you know, and, it, and it's great to have people like that, that that push you forward to keep that motivation going because, as we all know, this is not all – it's not all easy and it's not all glorious, and, and these snakes will humble us, you know, over and over again. And mm-hmm. uh, and so when you see people that can push through that kind of adversity and, and keep on going, it's like that that's really what I think matters in the long run. And that's what separates those who are in it for the money from those who are in it for the love of the game, so to speak. So it's a neat thing to see people take it and be successful with it. Yes, for sure. So what would you say, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to for the future, what you're doing? Well, <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. I took last year off, um, or I should say, you know, kind of the 2019 into 2020 season off just because we had a bunch of crazy stuff going on at home. And yeah. it was just, it was, it was time to kind of put things on, on hold for a little bit. And, um, so did that, and then I now just have been growing some animals up and mm. have a lot of really exciting stuff coming up for this year. Like I said, I'm going to breed million-dollar babies finally for the first time. Uh, so that'll be line-bred raspberry, peaky stripe, and then I'm doing – a couple of years ago, I got these insanely gorgeous cherry bomb outcross red-headed albino T-positives, and mm. so I'm going to breed those oh, into yeah. some stripe stuff and – I'm doing a martyr to martyr line breeding. Um, Ryan Rumbly, before he deployed overseas last year or the year before, it actually sent me uh, some really beautiful snakes. Like, I have the best friends ever. And uh, so he sent me this martyr female. Her name's Epitome. She's actually on my Instagram today. And she's just freaking gorgeous. And so she's going to be bred to a line bred martyr male named Bravado. So those will just be like mind blowing reds. Um, and then, you know, do some. we're going to do some Curtis. And uh, just try to make some really black snakes there, but this year should be just some crazy multi generational red stuff, and and then slowly working some albinos and stripes into it. I mean, y'all know me; I'm not really big into the morphs, mm-hmm. um, just because I look at Nick and, and everything he's he's got going on with that, and I'm like, I can't compete with that. So I'm just gonna stick, <laughs> over, you know, I'm gonna stay in my lane with my red snakes and, <laughs> and be over here. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, and and so it, there should just really be some insane stuff. If, if all goes as planned and so it's exciting because now it's you know these are snakes that i like their great 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 grandparents came out of the wild and now we're hatching multi-generational like these red snakes that when they come out of the egg they're so saturated with color that they're almost black when they hatch and it's mm. just oh my gosh yeah so some of that it, it should be good Hell so. yeah that's yeah. that's super exciting and uh Thank you. i i think that there's room for that though, because if you look at people, if, there's no one who's line breeding like normal ball pythons. Like they're just not doing it. And for for people to be able to do that with blood pythons, even if 
uh, you're not producing the morphs, you can still have a very valuable animal, an animal that is still very desired, even though it's not a quote-unquote morph, you know? Right. Oh, I do. <laughs> I actually know quite well. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things where it was actually part of my decision not to pursue this as kind of a full-time thing. Because, I mean, I have, I have a regular 40-plus-hour-a-week job in corporate America. You know, thank God I get to work from home. Yay, the year of our COVIDs. Uh, but snakes are purely a hobby because I don't want to have to rely on selling them to pay my bills. Mm. Um, because, you know, some of these snakes that I hatch and I look at, and I'm really not trying to toot my own horn here, but I've gotten to the point now with, with the way things have gone and what's hatched that it's really tough for me to make decisions on what to sell. Uh -huh. Because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that's really nice. <laughs> and it's it's tough. Like I would rather I would rather give some of these snakes to friends or to people that I like than sell them to someone that is going to take it and just try to make a hundred of them and and not really care where they end up. I mean, yeah. I'm, people call me a snob sometimes, and I don't really care. Um, but because <laughs> I have an application on my website to see where these snakes are going to end up, like I I get pretty nitty gritty with potential customers because. Not for nothing, you know, it's been 20 years now that I've been doing this, and I, I don't want to just hand a snake over to someone that's not going to take good care of it or that is going to try to breed it to everything under the sun. And so I'm kind of picky where they end up, and I don't just want them to go anywhere. All that to say, that's why I don't do this full time, so that I can keep everything I make in a year and just watch them grow up and, and not feel compelled to have to sell anything to keep the lights on or anything like that. So. Yeah, yeah. That's where, and and in order to really know and understand a bloodline, and that's something that I don't, I don't know that that people quite do that with reptiles to the extent that they do with other species. Like, mm. do you know how do you know how prepotent the snakes in your collection are? Do you know that you can take a certain animal and it's going to pass those genes on? It's going to leave a distinct stamp on its offspring, even though it's not something that's simple recessive or that it's not codom or whatever. Is it going to have a very strong influence on its offspring? And and really that's not something you're going to know until you grow those offspring up and outcross them and, and see what their influence is on other animals. And I just I don't know that people are, are doing that to the extent that they really need to to understand how some of these these various bloodlines work. And so you know, it's kind of a crazy obsession, I think, in some ways. But it's it's the only way to really to know kind of how strong the bloodline is and and where you can take it. And so, yeah, it's just kind of one of those one of those things. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's that's a massive massive show of dedication. Yeah. Um, you know, as, or as insanity, keeper, you know, <laughs> or insanity, you know, you know dedication. Um, dedication's sure. certainly nicer. <laughs> yes, yes, it um, sounds. It looks better on a resume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, I mean, like we again, it's something else that we've talked about before is like very often when you're thinking about people getting into wanting to keep reptiles, you know, so much that's force fed to them is like being a ball python breeder. Yeah you know, on social media and all that stuff. So it's, it's always been about like breeding morph to morph mm -hmm. versus yeah. like finding a polygenic thing that you are like, this is really cool. I want to see if I can recreate this, maybe isolate it and enhance it, you know, and, uh, bloods and short tails seem to really be like zoned in on that, you know, and a lot of the people that I've seen that are in it and have been in it for a long time are like 100% true showcases of that dedication slash insanity <laughs> absolutely and absolutely when it comes to um you know choosing not to do that as your main job i think that that is like really smart for most people like if a lot of people really glorify like i want to do reptiles full time um but when you're choosing whether or not you're going to be able to sell that hold back to keep your lights on or to pay your rent and it's like it can really put a dent in your breeding plans, but it's a smart business move for like your your financial situation, and it, it definitely right. can be tough if you don't uh, plan and assess and take all those things into account. Right. Well, and you know that's something we see every year. There's always someone that comes in the blood group. Oh, I'm gonna you know how soon can I breed these up, or what's the market gonna be like for this or that? And it's just like, dude, 
nobody knows you. Nobody yep. knows how you take care of your animals. Nobody mm-hmm. guarantees that you're going to, you know, sell them a feeding snake that's correctly sexed and doesn't come with mites and isn't, you know, going to turn brown at two years. Um, you have, like, you really have to be prepared to keep every single one of these animals. And I, I think so many people just overlook that. And then they, they don't realize how expensive it is to feed them you know whether you're buying feeders or or raising feeders and breeding your own i mean it's all it's all an undertaking at the end of the day there's a lot of work that goes into maintaining a a collection much less a quality collection and too many people kind of have that in-game dollar sign thing going on it's just like no no Mm -hmm. no no that's not how any of this works (laughs) and and you know by the same token there are people that take it and look at everything kevin's accomplished you look at folks like you know justin kabelka and everything he's done and and you look at people like nick bikini and the barkers and just all that and because it's the passion that drives them and not the dollar signs that Mm -hmm. they are able to take what they love and do it for a living and there's a distinction there for sure yeah so i think there's a lot to be said for the people who still have the full-time job and and are able to focus on these snakes as their hobby and kind of have that luxury of, of raising things up and, and parting with the stuff that they know is not going to further those projects in the direction that they want to go. So yeah. definitely food for thought. Mm. It's the realness. Like, I feel like this, this episode is like just smacking a lot of realness <laughs> on some people. That's okay. Caroline. And that's great. No, and that's, that's great. You know, cause I mean, like yeah. I just said, so much of the, of what's, thrown at everybody in the industry is how to become a ball python breeder yeah or you know right. and, or, and leopard you or, or a leopard yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um you know i mean i think about back in the early 2000s so much of what was showcased on social media was like bhb yeah you know and not not a dig at, at brian barcheck at all but um he was, you know, he was just one of the few guys that was like, "Hey, I'm gonna make some videos of my massive reptile collection and post it up," you know, and it, and it just became this flood of, "I'm producing 50 plus clutches this year of thirty thousand dollar ball pythons, and you could make money too." And it's like, "Yeah, but uh, you gotta put up, you gotta put up or yep. shut up, yep, because this this hobby will humble you real fast, bro." Oh, <laughs> tell me about it. I mean, you know. You were talking about being humbled. I mean, unfortunately, we lost some some really key snakes in our collection earlier this year to a heating malfunction. And it's just like, do you do you pick up the pieces and, and move forward? Or do you yeah. <laughs> throw yeah. in the towel? And it's like, I'm I you know I think at this point I'm, I'm either too dumb or, or too stubborn to quit because it's like I just have to see how red that next generation's going to be. So we'll <laughs> yeah. go with that keep yeah. moving forward but it, yeah these things will absolutely humble you you know and it's funny you mentioned that thing about Bartek and all of his videos and you say kind of the early 2000s I mean early 2000s that's back when it was still kingsnake.com and, yep. and yeah 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 um you know the Ralph Davis forums and Bob Clark forums mm-hmm. and the nerd forums and bloodpythons.com and then it was like the early like the the 2010 2009 2010 that's when like Facebook exploded with all the reptile stuff and and it just it took on kind of this this crazy quasi-celebrity mentality with a lot yeah. of it. It was just really interesting to see the way the industry evolved. That. So little little weird piece of, I guess, social media herp history. But yeah, it was sure. it's just been funny to watch the timeline of it, you know, since literally from the early 2000s to, to 20 years later and how crazy things have gotten in what feels like a relatively short time. But then we look at it and it's like, dude, that's been two decades. Like, what, yeah. what the crap? <laughs> wasn't 2000 just like five years ago? Yeah, right, right, right. exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> no way are we all be sold now. Yeah. <laughs> Who the heck was I? T- I was talking to one of the staff at Nerd the other day, and and we were talking about like how long we've been out of high school, and I was like, I had to think. I was like, oof, next year makes ten years. I don't want to admit <laughs> that. Whatever. Like. <laughs> I'm not even gonna pull at that thread, guys. <laughs> 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 And then the impact to the old lady Herper for the night. So. <laughs> I, yeah, it goes by fast. Yeah, it, yeah, it does. Really I just think very fondly of the years of the forums because, like, that's where I, you know, met a lot of my friends in the reptile community, like the people I consider like close friends, and mm-hmm. it was like a lot more tighter knit than Facebook is. And um, like, I remember when you had posted some of the 
not first, but some pictures of some bumblebees, like some of the first bumblebees that Kevin had made. <laughs> and you yes. had taken them in a bin and put them outside, and it was like the morning sun coming through. And you got these pictures of these bumblebees with these like bright green eyes, and they had yellow all over. And I just was like, oh my God. This is I remember amazing. the exact pictures you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I remember it was a, oh my gosh, it was like we had this Sony camera and I can't remember what it was called. We took it to the shop and it had like the floppy disk. I mean, it was crazy. It was so long ago. And uh, so yeah, there was that beautiful, beautiful bumblebee that um, Kevin amazed. She was like the, I think we call her like the barbed wire bumblebee because she was just yellow and then had that drizzled pattern all over and those yes. bright green eyes. And it was just, oh my gosh. Uh, and it was back when it was like, I can't believe I'm looking at this snake and this is what this snake is. Yeah. 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 It's really cool. And the then first, that was really one neat. of the first times that I met you, you had actually had some blood pythons hatching out and you were like, shh look at this and you like pulled out a bin and i just saw these little tiny heads poking out and i was like oh my god (laughs) i'm pretty sure that that was like my very first dress it was i know for a fact it was yes i was just like i can't believe that these actually happened i've been trying for two years to to get this bitch knocked up because she was so awful she was such an angry snake Uh (laughs) and I'm sorry, my language is off. I'm sorry, uh, but it's she was just so angry, and I just you know remember those snakes, and they were so red right off the bat. Yes. And, and now looking at where they are, and you know here we are four generations later. What? What the heck? No, they're black when they hatch and they turn red, and it's, it's insane. But yeah, it was. Oh my gosh, it was so. It was so exciting to see those, and you know, that's the part. And I know everybody talks about, you know, when they, they see the eggs pip and, and that kind of stuff. But every time I walk in and I see a female on eggs and she's just in that perfect coil around them mm. and she's being that amazing mom like that, bam, because that's when you know all the hard work and all the waiting and all the hoping and all the crossed fingers and bitten fingernails and, and sleepless nights because I, I get crazy insomnia when I'm waiting for a clutch <laughs> and it's like now it's now it's a possibility now it's yeah. really gonna happen because you know the, the flip side of that is you walk in and there's like slugs scattered all over the place yeah. or or you have a female that gets egg bound and they you know hemorrhage or just some yeah. awfulness yeah, like yeah, that yeah. kind of going back to the humbleness thing but it's yeah it's like you see that female sitting on those eggs and it's like all right two months to glory and here we go <laughs> <laughs> yes so, yeah and like that keeps me coming back. I'm always like, y'all got any more than Python eggs? <laughs> 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 you get and, and it just doesn't stop. So. And then to haunt the incubator for the next 60 to 70 oh, years. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, well that, and I'll tell you, that's like, that's kind of why I started gardening. Yes. Um, because gardening coincides with kind of when stuff is in the incubator cooking. And if I have plants that I can haunt, then I leave my snake my snake eggs alone. Yes. And, <laughs> and it's just better. It's just and Ryan's like, Check the incubator, leave the world. I'm like, I'm going to the garden. Yep. <laughs> and it, it really so seriously, if you need a way not to, to haunt your incubator, take up gardening. And Ooh. it's a great stress relief for that. There you so. go. I, I and you, and then you can, that. you should, and then you can learn to can things and, and grow yummy things to send your friends. Yes, yeah. I that. <laughs> Did you try package, any of that yet? I've, I'm waiting because me and Jeremy are gonna go through and try them all because Jeremy was like, what, what, what you got there? What you bud? got there? Yeah. <laughs> oh those, man. Okay. Those so the yeah. anything. Um, the candied jalapenos. Get like some crackers and put cream cheese on those and put your candied jalapenos on the crackers. Mm. <sighs> Dude, it's oh boy. Good. Yeah. Oh boy. I'm. Yeah. I, I was already kind of hungry, but now that just made that, that made me cross <laughs> over go. to like I need to eat. <laughs> somebody feed the somebody feed the musician. Yes. <laughs> so awesome. Oh man, that's just I. Thank you very much, Karen. <laughs> oh no, no, thank you. <laughs> oh. All part of it, right? It's, it is. I mean, really, that's so much of why we do what we do is. Yes, soaking up the animals is absolutely the core, you know, being able to go in and pull that tub open and look at something glowing red and insane, but equally fulfilling or equally satisfying is when you've got friends who you know they appreciate those animals just as much as you do, and you yeah. send them a picture, you're like, hey, dude, come look at this. Look at this. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. You're geeking out over it. It's just like that is the essence of, 
of why we do what we do, and it's just it's so incredible. A hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred yes, percent. Never stop sharing it. Never stop paying it forward. I agree. Uh, I awesome. when I saw those Borneo girls sitting on eggs this year, I was just like. Oh. Uh, I I come out like super early in the morning. Like I I just couldn't yes. sleep, and I went in and I've been checking on them like every day, six times a day. And right. so, they're like, you're like, stop, stop. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Until you leave us alone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and then to just Absolutely. open up the drawer and see those little pearly whites in there, I was like, oh shit! And I'm yes. sitting there looking around, no one's there. I'm like screaming. I'm like, yeah, look at that. Right. Yeah. That's that's it. And, that's and it's so funny because. Oh. You know, there you are at Nerd, right? Where you see that kind of stuff day in and day out. But when it's your snake yeah. and it's your efforts and it's like something that you wanted so bad for it to happen, it's just, it's like its own kind of yep. magic. And it's when it Absolutely. was one, like, one of those snakes was one, actually two of them were ones that I produced. So seeing, like having raised those up from little bait, from watching them hatch out of the egg and then yes. seeing them on a clutch of eggs, it was just like over the moon, yeah. over the moon. Yeah. It was amazing. Oh, that's the best. That's, that yeah, multi-generational. That's... Yes. 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 Oh. That is such a great feeling. Oh, oh my gosh. I was yes. so and, and then, you, because you learn, you're like, all right, well, this is what I thought that those offspring would look like. And, well, either I'm really right or I have no idea what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of that next. It's like, all right, next chapter, what are we going to learn? That's exactly uh, what I'm doing. This year is like my year where I'm like, okay, I learned some stuff from what I paired last season. And now uh-huh. this season, I got all these ideas of which direction I want to take it in and it's going to be in the opposite direction to see what can really happen. So I'm like, right. I'm, I'm geeked. Uh, up. Hell yeah. So when you're doing that, like how do you, how do you track your bloodlines? Because as you guys both know, you know, when we're not dealing with these very simple, you know, whether it's a simple recessive or, or something that's dominant or, you know, just something that is clearly defined in it's, it's pattern of inheritance. How, I mean, bloodline tracking becomes essential. So I'm, I'm kind of curious. How do you keep tabs on who's related to whom, or who has the traits that you want to see, and, and how are they represented in your collection? Like, what's your method for that? For me, I'm usually doing – like, I don't have a, a ton of different stuff. The, the three females mm-hmm. that I bred this season are not related to one another. So pretty much everything's unrelated. One of nice. uh, the marble and the granite female that I bred this year, they were bred to the same male. So – their offspring are half related. Um, so mm. those two clutches are half related. And then the other female that I bred is completely unrelated to everything else that I produced this season. So mm-hmm. those babies, I just kind of label them for what traits I'm seeing or I think I see in them. And then as they grow, because I'm keeping a lot of them back to kind of see how they change over how the How many, Rob? I don't want to talk about it, okay? <laughs> but I'm not... Keep them all. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very tempted. Um, yes, but... do it. Just you know what? You can always sell them later. True. Keep that, them all. That's, that's honestly true. what that's I'm looking at. Regret. Yeah. Is, is like there's some that I'm looking at. I'm like, you could be interesting in a year because I don't know. I've never seen one like you before, so I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, but so those ones, I I just labeling as okay. I notice this trait. I see this thing that I'm looking at, and then the stuff that I like. It was produced from a visual ultra to a head ultra. So I'm assuming most of them carry that ultra trait in some way or form, and they they definitely exhibit it in the majority of them. Um, and then for the other ones, it was just like marble to marble and marble to granite. So there's like nothing to really, uh, you know, really distinguish besides, you know, that they share a male, they share a father from those lineage. So those babies that I'm raising up, I'm intending on outcrossing to other lineage animals, like getting some of Matt's marbles or, you know, if I can find some other ones that are, are nice, I prefer to get Matt's stuff. Um, but I know that he's wants to hold on to stuff too so <laughs> I know yeah and uh, for the for the other one I'm really this season is gonna determine what direction I go in uh, with la- this past season's babies because I'm going in the opposite direction the female that I bred this year uh, that I'm talking about is a skunk line super stripe uh, female that was bred to a ultra male and so that that produced the mother of this year's babies, and then she was bred to a visual ultra granite. And uh, mm. so those babies are like all over the board. There's like a one that looks like a marble in there. There's the crystal kind of glow leopard looking one. Mm-hmm. There's these crazy mm-hmm. striped ultras. There's these like weird 
ultras that kind of remind me of the lattes, but instead of like the brown spots on the sides, they've got these jet black spots down the sides. Yeah, I, I have to send you pictures of those because I really haven't posted a lot of pictures of them, but they are super geeking me out. They are really, they're just going through their first sheds right now, and I'm so geeked on them. So, yeah, gonna need to see those. Yeah, this, <laughs> this next season that I breed that um, that female that's got that skunk in the ultra, I'm pairing her to something that has that same black. Is it not the skunk trait? It's not from skunk lineage, but I believe mm-hmm. it's the same black trait that's being expressed. So I'm breeding her to a male that carries that black trait to go in the opposite direction because she's half ultra, half skunk. So I bred her to an ultra. And then next, I'm going to breed to a skunk and see which what the spread of babies looks like in that. Because I think that it's going to be really, really cool. Looking at some of the other things that other people have produced with uh, that similar dark line trait and breeding it to ult, like head ultra stuff, I think it's going to be really mm-hmm. cool. That is awesome. I cannot mm-hmm. wait to see what you make with that. I, I have to send uh... you some pictures. So yes, I probably please. won't do it tonight because we're going to be up late tonight, but tomorrow I'll send you some no, pictures. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. It's whatever. Um, you know, and, it, and it's funny because, I mean, we had done a lot of stuff with Corneos here over the years, but then it's, you kind of watch people take things in different directions. And like I, I look at what Minotola has done. I look at you know what you, what you're starting to do with yours. I look at even with you know some of Nick's stuff and, yes. and what he's done, and, and just different people who have really taken Borneos in kind of their own special direction. I know Dan Magano, like he's done yeah. stuff, but he got like the side swipes from us and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. And it's just so cool to to see all of this. And at the, at the same time, it's like oh man, I want to be in there making that stuff. But at the same time, <laughs> oh, I can put red snakes there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> man, tell me about it. And it's, you know, now we've got you know, so like funny thing to to diverge a little bit. Um, you know, I I went from keeping everything under the sun to to a really really narrow focus, and Ryan went from really really narrow focus, and now he's starting to kind of branch out. Now we've got like Matthias, and we've got King Rats, but it's like all these mm. big crazy stinky glubrids, and it's like <laughs> so, so we got to battle for space a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and so you have to make really, really selective decisions as to who you're going to keep. And so that's why it's like I look at some of these Borneos and, yes, please send me pictures so I can geek out over all the amazing things that you're doing. Because yes. as much as I wish we could do it here, it's like, oh, there's just not room for everything at the end of the day. Yeah. I yeah. It gets, it, it gets rough because you miss it. But then it's like, oh, man, look at Rob being a badass with his Borneos. Trying. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have a side swipe. Head ultra oh. male that I'm going to be breeding this season. Sweet. So awesome! We should see some little see sideswipe stuff, and I'm raising up a Yay. little sideswipe girl too. So I've I've got some of that sideswipe stuff going on here too. Cool. Did those come from Dan? Yes. Yes, they did. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and you know it's funny because the sideswipes like you you'll get some that hatch and they'll be like kind of crazy low expressions. If you're not sure and you want to run some pictures by me, hmm. let me know. I'm yeah. gonna just show you a thing or two. Live. So many pictures of those from over the years. It's mm. a neat line. It's really cool to, to see where people have taken that. And it's, I'm excited to, to see other people kind of running and being successful with it. Hell so, yeah. good stuff. All right. So, we're getting down to the uh, ending time here, but we have one yeah. question that we yeah. ask everybody who has okay. been on the podcast. Okay. What in the realm of reptiles, it can be something in your collection or something that you've seen, a project that someone's working on or a specific animal, what in the realm of reptiles has got you excited about reptiles? Man. <laughs> <laughs> you know you know what in the realm of reptiles has got me excited is I look at various keepers who are taking the species they love and making it an art form. And not just, you know, not just ball python morphs, but people that are taking crested geckos and making yes. them something mm. ridiculous. Or taking heloderma and just making, you know, these fluorescent orange and jet black gala monsters and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. People who are focusing on quality, they're focusing on excellence. And then you see these pictures, you know, whether they're featured on the reptile report or they pop up, you know, on Instagram or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're just looking at this and, and you get a whole new sense of an animal that maybe you've seen that species, of, you know, a hundred times before, or a dozen times before or whatever. But then it's like, bam, it's in your face. And suddenly you're like, oh, like you're seeing it all over again for the first time. And yes. that I think is what has me more excited than, than anything is to see that there are people that are so dedicated to quality and that are so dedicated to making these mind blowing things. But it's not just any one animal or it's not just any one species. It's just like rock on, take that, take that focus and that drive and, and keep refining it and making it something awesome. That's what has me excited. 
Hell, Hell yeah. yeah. I'm about it. So, yes. And and then also, you know, because I have to tip my hat to, to Kevin and everything else on the nerd, that leucistic king y'all have out there is Ooh. crazy. She's something Love else. Her to be. Yeah. She really is. She, she really is. is. Yeah, he had, oh, he texted me some pictures when she was like first getting sent overseas to him, like coming to America kind of thing. He's like, "Look what I got!" I'm just like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, <laughs> it was just so yeah. weird flex, but okay, bro. <laughs> no, no, I mean it's cool because we, you know, yeah, we we stay in touch and, and kind of talk about stuff from time to time. It's just like, oh my gosh, if, if anyone's like the perfect person to kind of take that stake and run with it, yeah, I can't wait to see what y'all oh, do. Yeah, it. yeah so, for sure. It'll be awesome. So, so thank stuff. you very much, Kay, for being on. We very much appreciate Anytime. it. We have to have you on Anytime. again sometime soon. And uh, love that. Yeah, hatching season. Let's, yes, let's, hatching yes. season. So hatching oh, yeah. next spring. We'll, yes, yes. We'll go over what, what's what's coming up next. Oh, I'm with it. Really, we go, guys, though, yes, yes. If people want to find out more about you and what you're doing, where can they find you? <laughs> Well, we, we do kind of have the original.com. We are bloodpythons.com. <laughs> yes. yes. If you go on Instagram, we are bloodpythons, Facebook, the blood cell, um, or bloodpythons.com. You can find everything else from there, and, and that's kind of kind of where we hang. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So have a good night. It was great talking to you. Yes, thank we'll you so much. Yeah, thank, you guys. Right. thank you guys so much for having me on. This has My been an course. absolute blast, and I cannot wait to see what y'all are going to do this season. Oh, yeah. yeah. Be <laughs> safe and, and stay healthy and, and, just, and keep the good stuff coming. You too. Love thank you. Take you care. Too. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good night. You too. Thanks. Bye.